Alright folks, welcome to episode 76, I think, of our Run Club, the podcast. Um, today, if you're watching on YouTube, you might notice something a wee bit different. Ray looks, <laughs> looks slightly different today. He might sound a little different on the podcast as well. Um, we've got a very special guest. Uh, Ray's on vacation up at Lake George, having himself a blast. And uh, we brought in Mike Silva to take his place. I don't know if I can take his place. I don't think anybody can really take his place. I'm going to sit in the chair that Ray once had. And I will try my best. Do your best. All right. That's all I ask. Um, so Michael is a uh, physical therapist. He owns uh, Foundation Performance, which is uh, one of the best uh, physical therapy, sports medicine offices I've ever seen. Awesome. And I've seen a few of my dad. Yeah, I bet. Um, only, the, only the best over there. And uh, works with a lot of elite athletes and kind of your everyday folk as well. Um, What I thought we would start with, since our listeners don't really know you all that well, is a little bit of an origin story, kind of where you began. I mean, you can start way back when you were... Like when I was born? When you could. We've only got like 45 minutes though. (laughs) So maybe focus a little more on how you got into physical therapy, sports medicine. All right, so skip the first 27 years. Yeah, maybe do that. All right, all right, we can do that. Cool, so how did you get into this? This career of yours. This career of mine. So I was a typical middle school, high school athlete. Um, Got plenty of injuries, so I spent time in physical therapy as a young child. Um, And my most significant injury is I dislocated my kneecap three weeks before my senior football season. I was a football guy back then. Oh, jeez. Yeah, no, don't hold it against me. I won't. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I was in therapy like five days a week for three weeks, and I ended up not missing a game, and it was a really big deal. And I'm like, hey, like you exercise, you help people, and you can wear sweatpants. Like this is kind of cool. <laughs> Sounds like a good game. So it was a win-win. Um, so anyway, that's how I got interested in it. Um, got a, a bachelor's degree at URI in exercise science. Uh, took a year off. I worked in the exercise kind of prehab world for a while, mm-hmm. for a year. Um, then I went to UMass, got my master's degree. Uh, that's where I met my wife, Carla. Who you know? Yeah. Um, then became you know typical outpatient sports medicine PT at a few different. Um, clinics in Mass and then moved here to Rhode Island, then started my business in 2000. Cool. Um, just traveling, uh, doing a lot of work with golfers back then, to be honest. All right. Yeah, and then 2003, I opened my first office. I'm doing all just cash pay, performance, training type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through a shopping experience at Roadrunner. Well, hey, how about that? Yeah, my wife was talking uh, to one of the sales guys there who was long gone and uh, she was home with our first child so she wasn't working she's also a therapist Mm -hmm. um so anyway i'm kind of branching how i got into the running world yeah yeah so um so she was there buying a pair of shoes for herself she had my son in the stroller talking to this guy who was um they just started chatting she's like yeah i'm a physical therapist my my husband has his own practice he's starting um, up the road here so this guy came to see me and um, enjoyed the session, did really well. And then he sent me the famous Keith Kelly. Oh boy, do I know Keith Kelly. Yeah, he must have been a cash cow for you. But yes, Keith <laughs> was awesome. I mean, he's a walking billboard, and mm-hmm. if you guys don't know Keith, like just an awesome human being, just, oh, yeah. and you couldn't find a more motivating person in the sport at the time. Right. So thankfully, 
did really well with Keith. Nice. And Keith just happened to run with this no-name guy, Mark Carroll, who, you know, he was okay. He's <laughs> okay. Um, joke, he was the man. Uh, I think he was labeled as the fastest non-African distance runner in the world at this point. Yeah, yeah, so no joke. No joke. The dude knows how to run a few miles. Yeah, he knows how to put one foot in front of the other <laughs> at very sure. fast pace. Um, so anyway, then I worked with Mark, and then, you know, here in Providence, we have such a good elite run group, thanks to Ray and the PC crowd. Yeah. So then it just spilled over into the whole run Providence crowd and um, became like the uh, PT for the elite runners in Rhode Island, which was awesome. And it's a passion. Yeah. I love the lower extremity mechanics. I love all this. So that's how I kind of fell into it. Um, you know, in the time I was growing my PT practice, and then now we have three offices and I label our business is the business the runner built. Well, there you go. Because we probably have more runners uh, percent-wise than any clinic that I know of in the country right now. Wow, jeez. Yeah. I mean, there's probably some out there because I don't know every clinic, yeah. but we definitely see a higher percentage of runners than most people I know. Right, and do you feel like, because I know like a lot of companies have this like halo effect with a lot of their products. So like you think like Tesla starts with like a high-speed roadster yeah. and then eventually they move down to like the the Model 3 everybody can buy. Yeah. Do you feel like the elite athletes were kind of like your your roadster say and they would like other athletes who would run would see you working with these elite athletes and go like well if he's working with yeah. Mark Carroll or yeah. Molly Huddle or someone, yeah, then yeah. he could probably take care of me too. I, I would lie if I said that wasn't a very helpful part of the business. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, around that time too, I had written a few articles for magazines. I was interviewed in a few, um, and it was mentioned my name with Marks and Keiths, and and then when Molly came into town, I started doing a lot of work with Molly and with Saucony, doing some projects with them. Yeah. So yes, it absolutely helped. Right. So right. Like, well, if, if Molly and Keith and Mark and Roisin and all those people go there, then it's got to be good. Yeah. Um, so I think that in combination with, I, I edu tried to educate coaches as best I could. So yes, I was doing yes, lots yes. of clinics and yeah. I still do it. That's a big part of my business now. And I think that was another factor that just um, helped, helped with the business. When the coaches realized, listen, I'm on your side. I know how to work with runners. Like if you send your runners to us, we're just not going to say, take eight weeks off and we're going to ultrasound your foot. <laughs> right. Pray that something good happens, you right, know? Right. Um, so yeah, those are probably the two biggest factors. Cool. Um, so yeah, um, the roadster definitely helped at the beginning. Of my <laughs> Absolutely. Um, cool. With that in mind, so you've got this like juxtaposition of like your elite top end athletes who um, are kind of at the top of their game. And then you might have someone who just joined, joined like team and training yeah. and is kind of trying to run their first marathon and they've never run before in their whole entire life. So there's a little bit of a difference going on there. there is. Um, what do you think is like the biggest difference between, I mean, obviously talent and all that, yeah. but like working with those different types of athletes, what are some of the different challenges that they present? All right, that's a really good question. So the, the first thing that pops into my mind when you ask that question is, I think it's harder for the average Joe <laughs> to try to build their running and really maximize what they can do physically because the average team and training person that came in, right? Mm -hmm. um, or just the average weekend warrior, age grouper. Mm -hmm. They've got a job, they've got a family, they've got so many responsibilities. Right, right. So you have to balance, okay, You've got to run, and if you're training for a marathon or an ultra or 
or an Ironman, like that's a lot of time commitment. Yeah. So they got to balance that with real life and job and kids and home duties and all these things. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest challenge is trying to get those people. No, you need to spend 20 minutes doing some self care, some strengthening or stretching. And they're like, I don't have 20 minutes. <laughs> right. Crazy. Yeah. Whereas if you fast forward to someone, let's just when use Molly's name for example. This mm-hmm. isn't an example of the conversation I had with Molly, but. She gets paid to do this. So <laughs> right. she sleeps when she needs to sleep. Yeah. She trains when she needs to train and she eats when she needs to eat. Yeah. That's their profession. Like that's right. what they do. So it's easier and they realize the importance of it because there's a lot of money riding on whether they get yeah. to the start sure. line. More importantly, whether they get through the finish line, right? Yes. yes so yes. they have a little extra motivation, they have a little more time to put into it. So it's actually a little more challenging to work with the, the normal person and trying to get them to really take care of themselves and maximize what they can do physically. Right. Did that answer your question? Yes. It's, it's a time thing. What's that? It's time. It's time. It's a very um, valuable commodity that we can't <laughs> seem to make last longer. <laughs> it's true, man. There's only so much of it. There is only so much. And um, I, it's a lot of, when I do some of the public speaking, I talk about it. I actually have a screenshot. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Mm-hmm. And I have um, 10,080 number ones on a screen because that's how many minutes there are on a week. Yeah. And I kind of just go through and highlight, okay, if you sleep, like block off all the minutes you use for your daily activities. There's still plenty of time for us to get this stuff done. All right. Well, that's so all you runners, like there's plenty of time. Trust me. There's uh, time. There is time. Cool. But it's just getting you to fit it in is the tough part. Right. So um, before we get into like your run strong thing, I have kind of a selfish question for one of our uh, listeners. Um, so he's recently become injured. Um, he's got... Achilles bursitis. Okay. Um, this is self-diagnosed, of course. <laughs> or do- Dr. Google helped. Dr. Google helped yeah. figure this one out. Um, if you're someone who suffers from something like that, like an Achilles bursitis, what are some little tips and tricks you can give him, just quickly? Well, right off the bat, for anything, get it checked out. Yeah. That's the number one advice because it could be something extremely simple. It could be something pretty severe. You don't want to run through it for days or weeks at a time and just make it worse mm-hmm. because no matter what the injury is, if you get in and get it treated when it's new, it's only going to interrupt your life that much. Gotcha. Whereas if you try to speed limp and run through it for a month, now <laughs> your life is going to be disrupted this much. Right, right. right. So that's mean it's a really generalization, but typically I tell people if you have something that lasts more than three days, Mm-hmm. And, or if it's getting worse, yeah, um, just get it checked out. And I, 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 I love when people come in and they say, yeah, it's only been going on for like three or four days. I don't even know if I should be here. No. That's perfect. That's perfect. You yeah. should be here. And then it could be just some talking advice on, yeah, maybe you should just lay off the hills for right now. Not even stop running. Okay. Lay off the hills. Lay off the speed work. You can't be up on your toes. You know, you're aggravating the Achilles a little more. Mm-hmm. I sit down at the end of the day. You know, we can teach some... Um, home remedies it's not like they need a whole round of physical therapy which is i think what scares people from coming in well i can't go three times a week for 10 weeks right you might not necessarily have to do that most people don't especially with the techniques nowadays we really don't need to and we try to educate especially now in the light of covid Mm -hmm. we're not having people come in just to do exercise as much Mm -hmm. so we're teaching them how to do it we're using telehealth we're doing all sorts of different things right um just get it checked out gotcha don't run through it I can't. I, I, if I had a nickel for every time I said don't run through it in my career, I'd be doing okay. Gotcha. I'd be driving that road stuff. I know, right? Which I'm not, but I would be. <laughs> and just another quick aside on that 
topic. If I'm someone who does have something that pops up, do I need to go to like my primary care no. and then get referred? No. Or can I just pop in and say... That's so 1980s, Eric. I know, I know. But I hear it a lot <laughs> no. here. So like, so I'll the... get someone who gets something bothering them and I'll tell them, I'll give you, give them your card and I'll say, go here. And then I hear back from them and they like didn't go because they went to their primary care first and then it's primary care said to take eight weeks off and not do anything. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so know. they can't, they can just go. They can Call just you go. up, set an appointment up. Just call the office. Yeah. What most offices do, I'll just speak for my business, but most will, most all of them will do this. Yeah. You call, we ask what your insurance is, we take down your information, we do what's called the benefit check. So we call your insurance company on your behalf. Mm -hmm. And we say, okay, listen, you do not need a note. 90% of um, insurance companies now, you do not you do not need a doctor's note to get in. Gotcha. We're considered an autonomous um, healthcare practitioner, which means we can function without doctors. Okay. Doctors can't really tell us what to do. We don't need them. Certain insurance companies require it, but it's very few. Mm -hmm. So you would call, we do a benefit check. We call you back and say, hey, Eric, great news. You're good to go. Your insurance will allow you 30 visits if we need it. You have a $1,000 deductible and then a 20% copay. Gotcha. We, are you good with that? You ask a few questions, we're good, then we set you up for the appointment. Gotcha. That all takes place within 24 hours. Oh, okay. So cool. it's quick, quick and easy. Right. So there's no really good excuse, but people don't know that. Right. You know, the, the, thing. the old school model was get hurt, run through it for a month, yeah. right? Yeah. Then call your doctor, wait another month to get in for an appointment. Mm -hmm. Then the doctor doesn't know what to do. He says, still don't run, take it out, go see the orthopedic. So there's another month gone. Mm -hmm. Then the orthopedic says, you don't really need me, go to therapy. So now you got three months of your life gone. Just done. Yeah. And if you would have just came to us first, you would have been back running before you even got to that second doctor. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Good to know. And yeah. with the advent of telehealth, is this something that you guys can do to anybody, like across the country? Yes and no. Gotcha. So the laws say that I need to be licensed in the state where the patient is receiving the care. Okay. So if you're in Texas. Yep. and I don't have a Texas license, then I am, I'm in, in theory, not allowed to perform physical therapy services on you because I'm not licensed in the state of Texas. Gotcha. Um, there's a lot of different, the lines are blurred there. Okay. Because, you know, I'm also a consultant. I'm also an exercise physiologist, and I've done training. Mm -hmm. So I can do training with anyone on earth, anywhere, because insurances aren't involved, so I don't have any of their rules to to gotcha. abide by and trainers are doing you know online classes and stuff all the time yeah so we can help people anywhere gotcha. um, to get reimbursed by it and to go through the medical system that's a little more um, a little trickier. Yeah. Gotcha. so all all the therapists on my team we're all licensed in mass in rhode island so in these two states we're good to go with anyone okay gotcha cool um so let's get a little bit more into like some of these other things we can do to not get to that point, right? Yes. So like I had thought entitling this podcast episode, calling it like the little things, but then in my head I thought, these things are not so little, you know? Some, some of these things are very big things that need to get done so you can accomplish what you want to accomplish. Yeah. We're talking a little bit about like your Run Strong program. Yep. Um, which I've done a couple of classes in person yeah. and uh, I, rem I remember your plank. It's awful. My plank is awful. The class is awesome. My plank, not so <laughs> it's much. Not awful. Your, your plank had room for improvement. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> um, so what I remember from it is it covers basically like 
three important aspects, right? Yep. And you can add whatever you need to add. Sure. You've got your like strength, your kind of warm ups, and then like your recovery piece, like your foam rolling and you're taking care of yourself stuff. Yeah. Um, we'll start. Let's start with like some strength stuff. Okay. So. Um, That's my favorite topic, by the way. Good to know. Yeah. Um, so what are some of like the key exercises? If uh, I know we probably, we can't demo them for our podcast listeners, no. but maybe just describe some of the key exercises that us runners should kind of focus on. Sure. So the biggest deficit I see in runners these days, especially ones that sit for a living, mm -hmm. um, is anterior hip tightness, so the front of the hips being tight, the hip flexors, the front of the joint capsule, mm -hmm. and then gluteal amnesia. Like They don't know how to tap into their glutes. Gotcha. Right? Because yep. um, we're using it for cushion and not for pushing. Right. Right. So then you, like, for most people, they're sitting on it all day, you develop this imbalance. The tighter you are in the front, the weaker you're going to be in the back, just the way the neurologic system works. Mm -hmm. Now you go out jump out of your car, you get changed, and you jump into a six-mile run. Yeah. Like, your glutes are not ready to go, so we've got to wake those up. Yeah. So simple floor exercises like bridges, mm -hmm. where you're getting, you're lying on your back, knees bent, lifting your hips into the air, you're opening up the front of the hips. You can put some extra focus on the glutes by putting a band around your knees to really force your mm -hmm. the big glute max and the smaller glute muscles to fire. So bridging is like a staple, and gotcha. there's many versions of it. If you go on YouTube, you'll find 17 million <laughs> videos of people doing different bridges. <laughs> right. And a lot of them are pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say bridging or some sort of hip opening exercise is great. Gotcha. Um, some sort of pelvic core, um, quote core, because yeah. core is a very overused word, okay, but okay. some sort of abdominal pelvic trunk stability exercise. Mm -hmm. um, side plank is one of my favorite. Oh um, yeah, I love the side plank. Side planks, I think I got. It's the other plank I'm not the other, good at. So we got to find out why. I know, right? right? Um, yeah, so the side plank, for those of you who've never done it, you're basically lying on the side of your body, elbows underneath your shoulder, lifting your hips up so you're making like a straight line. The great thing about it is people think it's just like a side oblique type of strength and exercise, but it's not. It gets deep into the abdominal cavity and the um, spinal stabilizers. And then if you're getting good at it, you lift the top leg, now you're getting hip abduction. So this like um, outer hip strengthening exercise as well, which every runner needs. So you can kill a lot of birds with one stone there. Yeah, yeah. So that's another favorite. So some sort of bridging, a side plank, and then you need to get on one leg. As far as I know, I don't know too many runners that are on two legs during their run. No, I haven't seen any. You haven't? You would notice them. I would. Did. They look they look a little goofy. Um, I'm not gonna lie. Like the Easter Bunny might be one of them. <laughs> right. right. So yeah, so running is a single leg exercise. And mm -hmm. I just find it kind of um sad when I see these people on on the internet creating these runner strengthening programs and they're not doing a single leg strength and exercise. Right. I mean, you need to build up to it. You need to earn the right to do a single leg squat. You do. And what do you need to do before you go to a single leg squat? Maybe like one on two legs. Right. <laughs> so yeah, you've got to work your way up there, but um, it, it, every runner needs to be on one leg and they need to, um, I call it time under tension. They need to spend a lot of time on that single leg, strengthening, lunging, squatting, um, just balance work, all sorts of stuff to strengthen the foot and because the, the squat to the single leg squat changes mechanically hugely. It's not yeah. just, okay, I make it harder because I'm on one leg. The way your spine works, the way you react to 
the different forces that are going through your body is so much different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know when I try to do a single leg squat, I'm very shaky. Yeah, most people easy. Are. Yeah. So on that, we need to we need to clean that up. Mm -hmm. um, so one thing I don't want anyone listening to do is run out and start doing single leg exercises when they haven't earned, earned the right to get there. <laughs> right. Because you can hurt yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, some sort of planking, yeah. side plank, some sort of bridge, hip openers, and some sort of single leg strengthening. Got Every it. run program should have some versions of those things in there. Got it. Cool. So I had a question from one of our listeners who actually happens to lift weights. Nice. Um, if she is doing that kind of on a regular basis, mm -hmm. um, like how, how should she work that in? Is it something where she should still run, she can still run every day, or if she's lifting, she sh should she take a day off? How often should she run if she's lifting, say like, I, I think she's getting after it pretty much every day. She's either doing like a hit type of thing or like a weight training session. Is so she, she able to work in running? or She's is strength training every single day. Some sort of strength. It's like strength cardio. She do like a HIIT workout and yeah, then okay. maybe do some weight lifting another day. Yeah. So something like that. But she wants to work in a run. All right. Um, how should she weave that in if possible? So the, these types of questions are the hardest. Yeah. Because everyone has a unique situation, right? Right. So I'm going to answer that question with a couple of questions that I'm thinking of. So what are her overall goals? Is running just part of her overall fitness routine and she just wants to be able to to run as part of her workouts to get a heart rate up or develop some sort of cardiovascular fitness that way is she training for something is she part of the 5k group is she yeah. training for a marathon so that would change the way i answer the question yeah in general strength training and running can live together very harmoniously i know right yeah um and it can be done and they should be done together um it depends so if she's doing a really hard weight workout where she's just kind of wasting herself and she is so damn fatigued after probably not a good idea to go for a two three mile run gotcha. right um if she's the type that runs hard and she's done with her two three mile run and she's wasted probably not a great idea to hit the gym after yeah so depending on the workout sometimes people will use their run as kind of quote their warm-up mm -hmm. which is fine I mean if, if you're, you know you warm up before you run uh, do what you need to go off your two-mile run but you're still you're not so wasted then you can get into your strength work yeah some people really like it that way uh, okay and then if it's an easier type of strength workout you can almost look at it as a primer for your run like if you're doing a lot of glute core work yeah but it's not so intense that you're going to be drained then you're going to go out for your run most people when they wake up those areas before they run they get a little extra spring in their step they you know the run feels good right so I don't think I'm going to be able to give you a definite answer, so sorry for the listener. <laughs> That's all right. She can be more than happy to email me or call me so I can get a little more details on what else is going on with her and her world, and I'd be able to answer that a little bit better. Cool. I think it's good to at least know that they can work harmoniously oh, together. Absolutely. Um, so another part of your program is that dynamic warm-up that you just spoke of. Yeah. So um, we know that we have to do these things. <laughs> um, we do know we, we have to do them. Do we do these things? That's a different, you know, different story. But we know that we have to do them. Yep. Um, what are some of those checklist items that we should be doing every time before we head out the door for our run? Alright, so kind of like the bare minimum type of thing? Yeah, if you Similar like the, those three exercises? Yeah, like bare right. minimum, because like we said, time is limited, you know? Gotcha, gotcha. Alright, so... 
You always put me on the spot with these things. I, you know. That's right, I like it. All right. Every warm-up for a runner needs to include some sort of jumping. Because like we talked about before, running is a single leg sport, right? Okay. So you're running, you're leaping from one leg to the next repeatedly, depending on how big you are, 1,000 to 1,500 times a mile, right? That's yeah. a lot of single leg leaps. It is. So to prepare yourself for that, you need to do some two leg jumping, like just like the, the traditional skipping rope. Mm -hmm. So you need to do something with the running jacks that I have in my program oh, that we've yes. done. I love so if you, Yeah, if you do something where two feet are hitting the ground, you are cutting that load in more than half. Well, just for the sake of conversation, you're cutting that load in half, and now you're prepping your body for impact. So warm-up is not just about, in my world, it's not just about increasing your body temperature and just doing some silly moves just because you're supposed to before you run. There should yeah. be a purpose to it. Right. So some sort of jumping. Like I would say 30 seconds of a running jack, a jumping jack, or jumping rope um, twice. So one minute of those things. So it's impact preparation. So now you're preparing your tissues and your cartilage and your body. Say, all right, we got this. We got some impact coming. We're going to be able to take those forces and absorb them and disperse them the way we need to. Yeah. So some sort of jumping, mm -hmm. um, some sort of calf plantar fascia, um, like posterior lower leg type of things, like um, tigger walks or just yeah. toe walks, right? Gotcha. Something just to wake up that part, especially if you're a four foot striker, you really want, really oh, want to yeah. work those up. Those. You do, right? Um, so something where you're just walking, coming up onto your heel, like heel raises, something mm -hmm. as simple as that. Yeah. Um, and then I'd probably say some sort of anterior hip opener. If okay. you make me just do the three, those would be the three. Gotcha. So like a walking lunge, not a very deep lunge. Okay. We call it like a swamp walk. Yeah. So arms overhead, and you're taking a long step, and just kind of a shallow lunge, just to open up, get into that stride position. Okay. Then if I could have a fourth, you can have a fourth. All right, thank you. So just so kind of yours. <laughs> right. Um, I would do some sort of like side stepping, wake up the hip abductors, the outside of the hips. Okay. Extremely important when you're on one leg. If your hip abductors are weak, down the chain, something's going to get. The snot beat out of it, so good to know. So the, Hips is something I forget about. Running, yeah, you know? it's probably the first thing you should think it's about. It's like again, I do get sore there, and then I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, the hips. I, I remember this. This is the things. Yeah, there's not just something to rest your belt on, man. <laughs> exactly. Um, so those are some cool little things we can do. Not doesn't take too long, right? It's Thirty no. seconds, two times, three minutes, four, three minutes, done. Research tells you three minutes will increase your internal body temperature three degrees. That is a more optimal temperature to run. Mm -hmm. And then if you include some of that impact training, some of the jumping, you're good to go. Yeah. And so is that one of the reasons why I have to do these things is to increase that internal body temperature? Well, yeah. So in theory, and what the research will tell you, in the increased temperature, your tissues are more resilient. You're a little more effective okay. physiologically that way. So that's just better. And then in the impact um, preparation, excuse me, through the jumping will make you a little more resilient to the impact. So you're gonna function a little bit better during that run, yeah. and you're gonna lessen your chance of injury by doing that. All right, good yeah. to know. So warm up, people. Yeah, and foam roll before you warm up. Oh yes, the uh, oh. see, you told me that and it blew my mind, Mike. <laughs> it blew my mind, because yep. foam rolling to me was always an after thing. Yeah. Um, or like a thing I didn't do. But, uh, <laughs> it was an afterthought. Right, so uh, maybe talk a little bit about that piece. Yeah. Um, so why, why, why would I need to foam roll before I run? All right, how much time do I have for this one? Um, we have 30 minutes. All right, because I can talk a long time about this. <laughs> yeah. So, 
I'm going to start off by saying foam rolling, no matter when you do it, is beneficial. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's different forms of foam rolling. Back in the day, there was literally just a foam roller, right? Mm -hmm. Now you guys sell probably five or six different versions at oh, the yeah. store, right? Um, so there's foam rollers, there's plastic, um, like ribbed rollers, there's vibrating rollers, there's massage guns, there's all these different tools. Yeah. It's all just, we're just going to classify it all as foam, foam rolling, some sort of tissue preparation is what yeah. I call it. It's beneficial no matter when you do it, okay? The reason I like it beforehand is the whole idea of releasing trigger points. So a trigger point is an area of muscle fiber that is stuck, okay? okay. It doesn't contract, it doesn't lengthen. It's non-functional. It's like just dead tissue just hanging out. Just hanging out. Hanging out. So if your muscles have trigger points in them, and I will bet 100% of the runners listening to this have trigger points in their muscles, more than they are aware of. Yeah. Um, so if you have a trigger point in there, you will not be able to optimally tap into that muscle strength-wise. No matter how hard you work, you will not reach your maximal potential because of that trigger point. It's just stuck. Just stuck. It's not doing its thing. It's like you've got, you're only working with three quarters of your muscle. So yeah. how can you develop enough force when you've got a quarter of your muscle just hanging out and not doing anything? Right, right. right. And then you're not going to get your full range of motion because that tissue is stuck. Yeah. So when you foam roll, and you guys who've done this, when you foam roll and you hit one of those speed bumps, and you're just like, oh God, like, oh. Yeah, and it hurts. Oh, right? it's the worst. It's the worst. That's where you want to spend a little time. Mm -hmm. You want to hang out on there. And then um, I teach what's called pin and glide. Mm -hmm. It's a, kind of like an active release technique where you hold that pressure yeah. on that trigger point and then you flex and extend the joint that that muscle crosses. So if you're a former lean yeah. quadricep, right? Picture you're in like a front plank type of position, commando crawling along the floor. Mm -hmm. It's not fun. Your quads are sore. You don't want to be there. You dying to get this over. Then you find the most painful spot in that quad. Stay there and then bend your knee three to five times. Oh, I have done. I've done that. Yeah, it sucks. It's yeah, it doesn't feel good. No, um, but that's more effective, and you're going to release that. Right. So by doing that before you run, now you've got your tissues are awake. Your your muscles are more fluid. Um, there's a, uh, what's it called? Fixotropic benefit it means that your muscles just, they're just more fluid, more lubricated. It's, it's a good thing. Yeah. So that happens. And then now you've got this trigger point, which is released to a certain extent, maybe five, 10%, maybe 95, 100%, who knows, depending how new the trigger point is. Yeah. But now it's functioning. It's ready to go. Yeah. So you release that in your calves, your glutes, your quads, um, then your muscles are ready for the, for the run. That's why I like to do it before. Yeah. If you have all the time in the world, like going back to the pros, yeah. most of them are doing some sort of preparation, tissue preparation before, yeah. and then they're doing tissue recovery after. So how can one foam roller <laughs> yep. do, like, get me ready to run, but then also get yeah. me like recovered after I run? It's magic. It seems like some sort of witchcraft. Yeah. It's all just... it's. Like, like, it's basically your own personal massage therapist. Not even close to as beneficial as a massage therapist. Yeah. But, so what I just talked about is why it's beneficial for before. Yeah. And then for the people on the bandwagon of, no, I do it after as part of our recovery. Mm -hmm. um, it has a, a reduced soreness effect. You know, domes, delayed onset muscle soreness. Have you ever heard of that term? 
Uh, yeah. Okay. So Dylan's... <laughs> <laughs> sure. Just talked about it this morning. <laughs> right. My life will be Yeah, healthy. you know. So it's basically the, the soreness that you get after a hard workout. Like the next day, you're like, oh yeah, that was a track workout I did last night. Uh, so, right, you can feel it the day after. Yeah, or when I was like really big into heavy, heavy weight training, I'd wake up the next morning after like an upper body workout and I can't wash my hair because my arms are so sore. Yeah. That's Dylan's. It's delayed onset muscle soreness. Afterwards, by increasing that thixotropic properties of the muscle and freeing up some adhesions that happen, you can uh, get much less soreness after your workouts. Oh, all right. So that's why it's the same technique. Yeah. It's just beneficial for before and after. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Okay. I feel like it's uh, foam rolling is just a magical thing that all runners should do. It's 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 very important. Yeah. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time talking about it over the years. Yeah. And I've sold hundreds and hundreds of foam rollers out of our offices. Yeah. Um, just because they're that important. We don't carry too many products, only the ones that I really stand behind. Yeah. And we've got expensive foam rollers and we have cheap foam rollers. So yeah. depending where your budget is, get something. And you sell lacrosse balls too. We do. Lacrosse balls work. They're fantastic, right? They're, they're insanely ugly in what they do because it's painful <laughs> but no they're good so for like the calf and the lower leg mm -hmm. getting a lacrosse ball in there getting behind the shin bone you can't get that with a foam roller right so lacrosse so if you said okay mike give me the, the tools we need for this tissue yeah, preparation foam roller and lacrosse ball and there's not mm -hmm. an area in your body you can't get rid of and those two things are really inexpensive you can find a decent foam roller for nine or ten bucks yeah you can get a lacrosse ball for three to five bucks somewhere right you can get packs of them and um, you don't need to get all these fancy massage balls and these right. really expensive tools no i mean if you want to there's some cool stuff out there yeah yeah but for like 25 bucks or under you're good cool good to know um so with the kind of recovery piece in mind yes. i'm i've always been a big fan of your bucket analogy uh, when it bucket. comes to running yeah um Talk about how this like run strong program fits into that bucket okay. analogy. All right, maybe I'll give you the video that you can. That would be cool. The little sure. cartoon video. Have you yeah. seen that yet? I I don't know if I've seen the video. I've seen the slide with yeah, the. Yeah. So I actually, have, I will send it. Remind me. Okay. Because um, it'll help. The visual typically helps. Yeah. So for those of you guys listening, I'll try to do my best storytelling, visual storyteller. Um, <laughs> impersonation here. So if you visualize yourself as a bucket, mm -hmm. right, and water's pouring into the bucket, the water going into the bucket is the running and the training that you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. So the more water, the more training you do, the more water that goes into the bucket, the higher the level water goes. Yeah. When that water hits the top of the bucket, again, for just for explanatory purposes, that's when bad things happen. That's when you're going to get hurt, right? So how can you right. keep adding more miles, adding more workouts, the water's going to go up. So what can you yeah. do to continue to train and not let the water crest over the bucket? You got to drill some holes in the bucket. Right. Holes work, right? They do. So if you drill holes, water slowly pours out. You can continue to add training in. What are those holes? These are the recovery, prevention, self-care techniques that I talk about with RunStrong. Yeah. Right. So let's say you do your three to five minutes of foam rolling every day. Drill a hole in your bucket. Mm -hmm. Let's say you do three minutes of dynamic warm-up before you run, drill another hole in your bucket. You do your strength training two to three times a week, mm -hmm. drill another hole in your bucket. You're working on your mobility after your runs, drill another hole in your bucket. You're sleeping eight hours a day, drill a giant asshole in your bucket. <laughs> um, 
know, so all these self-care techniques you're doing, you're drilling more and more holes. What does that mean? You can pour more water in that bucket so you can get your speed workouts in. You can do hills. You can run faster. You can run longer. You're just more resilient. If you don't do those things, if you're not drilling holes in your bucket, mm -hmm. sooner or later, your body's going to remind you that you didn't do that. Got it. That makes sense. It does, yeah. And I, the video will be good. I'll send it to you. Cool. And so, like these different things, like you're saying, they have different drill bits, right? <laughs> different size drill bits. So, like yeah. that sleep one is a bit uh, a big old drill bit. That's, that's like an inch and a half. Or that's something. probably the biggest hole you can drill, in my opinion. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about sleep? Uh, I can talk a lot about sleep. Yeah. In like five ten minutes. Oh yeah, I can do less of that. All so cool. Before that, yeah, I'm going to tell you about this really new um, supplement that came out. Oh, all right. Right? So this supplement will decrease your risk of cancer, decrease your risk of diabetes, decrease your risk of heart disease, decrease your risk of depression and anxiety, increase your physical performance, your mental awareness and your mental clarity, yeah. improve emotional stability, ward off cravings for junk food. It's pretty cool, right? Um, yeah. yeah. And guess what? It's free. Free? Free supplement. Like, how do I get this amazing <laughs> <Right>? supplement? <laughs> It is sleep. What? Like, yeah, being, being kind of corny there, but <laughs> there are so many health benefits to sleep. Like right. I cannot eat, that, that was just a list off the top of my head, but there's, I, I have dozens of research articles on specifically how sleep can help athletes. Yeah. Not only just helping ward off injury, but improving performance. Mm -hmm. There is nothing more beneficial than sleep. So 15 years ago when I started working with runners, I was all about I'm measuring I still do the, like my run analysis, which you took part in. Right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm measuring strides and foot strikes and talking about all these running metrics that we can measure and parameters. But now I backpedal. Like mm -hmm. when people come in for one, like a video running assessment, I'll say, okay, well, tell me, tell me about your sleep. How many hours of sleep you're getting? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna get four and a half to five a night. I'm like, don't waste your money on this assessment. Because <laughs> the best thing you can do. Like, go sleep. Go to man. sleep. Get the to sleep. Like you have to. Yeah. So it is that important for just overall life and health, but especially for athletes for resiliency and performance. Mm -hmm. um, and I would love to say that I'm the perfect sleeper. I am so much better because this has been a, perf a personal battle of mine. Yeah. I battled insomnia. Even when I was a kid, my parents tried everything. I'm just not a good sleeper. Yeah. I tend to be an anxious warrior type of guy. Gotcha, yeah. Not warrior with the W-A, the W-O. W-O, okay. Yeah. yeah. I like to think I'm a W-A warrior. but um, So just working on it my whole life. And then my wife, who you know, Carla, who's um, a wellness coach, and has been living with me for 20 something years. She's like, yeah, you, you need to sleep, man. Like you can't be up till two in the morning working on this and that. Yeah. So through her guidance, um, I've given myself a really great sleep hygiene routine, mm -hmm. which I teach to a lot of people when I have the opportunity to. Yep. Um, so the point is you can't put the cart before the horse. Like right. if someone comes in to see me and they are poorly hydrated, they have shitty nutrition, they're not sleeping, they're totally stressed at their job, they're on the brink of divorce, like all these really bad things in their life. Mm -hmm. What what's what's the, why is it worth me talking to them about their run cadence? <laughs> right. What the right. hell is that gonna do? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. this is like my whole run strong program started with yeah, just strength training and and then you know working on the, the, the technique of running and strides and cadence and foot strikes and arm swings. Now it's almost turned into this whole health type of approach to treating runners. Yeah. The program, so I have the Run Strong 101 program, which I'm 
Yeah. Well, I guess we can, I don't know if we can jump into that. I now. think that's a great idea. Yeah. All right. So my Run Strong 101 is basically the strengthening class that I did here for years yeah. and that we do at all of our offices. Um, it's a somewhere between a 40 to 60 minute class, depending on the week we're in, mm -hmm. where we foam roll, we do um, dynamic warm up, and we do running specific strength training, mm -hmm. right? So that class is awesome, by the way. Yes. Um, and when I started it here, I think it was even before your time, or were you here when we started it way back when? Uh, I don't know. Um, I might have been here. You might have been here. I probably, I've been here forever, so yeah, probably. Which is great. Yeah. Uh, but we were doing two classes back to back. Yep. I remember like from like six to seven and seven to eight or seven and nine, seven to nine, something like that. Yeah. But we used to sell them out, like 20 people a class. I do remember that. Yeah. And people hated the class because it was shit that they didn't want to do and they knew they needed and they weren't good at. Yes. Right? But people started seeing the benefit of it. Mm -hmm. And I put together the class because I was teaching the same exercise routine to most of the injured runners I was seeing. Right, so, so it's just like over and like constantly. It's like, okay, you got to get your... Like Groundhog Day over yes. at performance. I literally remember, was, I had a couple people from PC at the time, two totally different injuries, a male and a female, Division One, like, top runners in the country. Yeah. Um, totally different injuries, totally different people, totally different body types. And when I discharged them both, they had almost the exact same self, like strengthening, correcting routine. I'm like, yeah. hmm, okay. If I just taught this stuff to people before they got hurt, maybe we could prevent them from getting hurt. <laughs> right. Well, we can't prevent it, but we can minimize their risk of getting hurt. Yeah, yeah. And it improves performance. We know that for a fact. There's yeah. study upon study. I've got thousands of studies I can share with you because you've got plenty of time to read all these, right? Absolutely. I'll send them to you. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know, I'm kind of going off on this, but anyway, that's how the Run Strong <laughs> class started. Yes, yes. Um, And many times, because we do them in like six or eight week blocks, mm -hmm. and then we do it a couple times a year, and people would email, hey, so you, do you have anything online? I'd like to continue to do this. Yeah. And we just didn't have the time or the energy to continue to do these classes on top of treating hundreds of patients a week. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, no, sorry, nothing yet. So finally, with the light of COVID, I'm like, all right, I got to put this online. Like, yeah. I really have to do You've this. You got time now? I had just the motivation. Like, and all right, like I got to get something going. got to get something yeah. going. And I want to reach to more people besides the greater Providence in right. Massachusetts area where one of my offices is. I, think, I, I mean, I've been doing this class for 15 years. It's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into it. It's evolved mm -hmm. over the years. But anyway, so right now, the Run Strong 101 class that we will be launching within the next week or two is a five it's it's labeled a five week strengthening program mm -hmm. so each week has a different work on workout that um builds on itself so week one is the easiest of the weeks and week two is slightly different week three week four week five is the hardest of the five weeks yeah so at its fastest the program is a five-week course where you do um, three workouts a week every other day yeah then you progress to week two not everyone's going to be able to progress that quickly right so some people might need two weeks at, at every level of the course. So their mm -hmm. first workout, they might do three times a week for two weeks. Oh, it doesn't okay. matter. So everyone's on their own journey and I kind of educate them as we do the class. All the classes are pre-recorded. Yeah. We've got a stud of an athlete who's the visual model that people follow. Yeah. I, I do the voiceover to talk to, to, talk to you about your form. Mm -hmm. We have a countdown timer. Everything's on 30 second intervals. Cool. Um, and you know, so you learn. The first week is a lot of this voice. So I apologize to people. It's a lot of me talking. It's all right. to give them, it sounds good. <laughs> thank you. Um, but it gives them the basis on why they're doing this exercise, what the correct form. And then I talk a little less and less every week because you get it. Right. And we, you know, we add more um, challenging exercises. Mm -hmm. So the, the week five workout is a tough workout. Yeah. Um, so that we're in the final stages of editing. It's already filmed. I just got to 
uh, I think week four and five left of the voiceover to do. My video guy is ready and we're going to launch it by first week of September. Awesome. Which I'm pumped about. Yeah, this will be fun. Yeah, so we have a pre-sale right now and um, I've sold a whole bunch already to people cool. um, who are just want to take the course yeah and when you do get the course we have five I call them awareness building exercises mm -hmm. to work on while you're waiting for the course or even when it's launched I encourage people to take a week to work on these exercises basically teaches you how to gain control of your pelvis mm -hmm. so if I told you to tilt your pelvis forward or backwards you need to know how to do that yeah. how to connect your rib cage to your pelvis how to activate the muscles deep in your arch work on some single leg balance and work on like a hip hinging type oh, of movement sure. so this uh, professionally done videos to watch that you do your pre-work and then you get into the class and it's basically what we did here yeah um, people have a year to do it and you can redo the class you can do week one for a month if you want yeah you can turn this into a five-month class we don't charge by the class by the month right you just buy the package and buy the package yeah. so my goal is for everyone to just get this package master these exercises right um, and then in 2021 I don't want to do anything else in 2020. Which one do I be done with 2020? Right, we're just going to move on from 2020. Yeah. yeah, can't wait for New Year's celebrations. Yeah. Um, in 2021, we'll have a Run Strong um, 201. Oh, all right. Yeah, which will be kind of a build off of that. So now we're getting into more advanced. Yeah. So I can envision probably three different series mm -hmm. when it's all said and done. Uh, beginner, intermediate, and like hardcore. Yeah. Um, and then you got to start... You gotta start with the 101 you first. Start someone. You, you start can't someone. go to chemistry 201 without taking chemistry 101, right? You could, you get an F. You would get an F, right? We don't want that. We don't want it. We, we, we want to set people up for success. At least a C, like C plus before you move on. A minus. A, all right. Not all less right. than an A minus. All right. So anyway, that's, so that's the class, how we're, we're turning it into like a online thing. Um, can I mention the code? We're gonna Absolutely, yeah, I think that's good. We're probably going to have to wrap up All here. right, so for anyone that listens to your podcast, mm -hmm. uh, so right now there's a 25% um, discount for the pre-sale. Mm -hmm. So anyone who buys it before we officially launch it, launches it saves 25%. Yeah. So the course is $199 um, normally, so it's like $149. Mm -hmm. But for your podcast listeners just because I love you and what you guys are doing. Um, we're gonna give another 10% off, so you can save 35%, um, and then I'll share with you the, the link that you can put on, right? Yeah, that's show fantastic. notes or something. Yep. Um, and just use coupon code ORC2020. Got it. Our Run Club 2020. That's easy, easy so peasy. I can't do the math, but 35% off, and when you spread that out, you're talking dollars. Yeah, it's like a couple workout. bucks per exercise. It's it's. Like a nickel per, per exercise, probably. And then if you spread it out from 10, 12, 16 weeks, as long as you want to. Yeah. And also through this, I teach people how they can make it a little, the exercise a little bit more challenging. Like mm -hmm. I want people to do it. Right. Um, and then hopefully they're doing it, they're seeing the results, and they're spreading the love. Fantastic. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So um, I guess we'll thank you for coming on, man. We're gonna, this was we're awesome. Gonna wrap it up. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, I think if, this Run Strong program is definitely something pretty much everybody who listens to a podcast about running <laughs> should probably take a look at. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so definitely do that and then enter, when you do go to purchase it, enter code ORC2020. When you check out, yep. save 35% off. 35%. Um, and remember, folks, keep running because it's good for you. It is.